We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, I thought about that this morning as I was sort of going over the message and kind of getting my own heart ready for this, and I realized something, that we are going to be speaking about a topic that could almost feel like a setup to all of the college students who have been away from us who are coming back, and this is their first Sunday back, and we are going to be talking about honoring and obeying your parents. And I just want you to know that none of your parents reached out to me. This is not what happened. We have been in the book of Ephesians for quite a while. Pastor Jason uh, began that series uh, uh, about a year ago, and uh, as, as he transitioned out and as I transitioned in, he asked me if I would be willing to finish the series. And I thought, man, that is an awesome book. It was so transformative to me, and so it took me about two seconds to agree to that. And so we've been in the book of Ephesians now most of the summer, and we are now coming to the end of chapter, uh, we just finished chapter 5, and we're coming now to the beginning of chapter 6. So for those of you that have been gone for a while and you're back today, let me take just a moment to kind of catch you up in the series so that as we come to this text this morning, you have some framework for it. We noted in the book of Ephesians that the Apostle Paul is actually laying out this immense vision, this mystery that God has made known to him and that he is now making known to each of us. And the mystery is this. What God is up to is that through the work of Jesus Christ, through his life of obedience, his active obedience, and through his voluntary willing death, Through his perfect life and his substitutionary death, he made and established a peace. He made that peace between God and us. And that peace is going to remain for as long as the peacemaker exists. And that peacemaker is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the second member of the Trinity. It is a stunning thought. And so that peace that has been made has been extended to every one of you who at one time were dead in your trespasses and sins, who were blind to the truth about Jesus Christ. But like Paul told the Corinthians, the same God who caused light to shine in the beginning has shined in your heart and in my heart, and he's opened our eyes so that we could see the beauty of the gospel and the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And that's why we came together to sing this morning. That's what generated in your heart a desire to praise. This peace will one day find itself established on the very earth that we live in. You can immediately tell that that's not true. We, we spent time praying this morning for a group of people whose lives and whose churches and whose families and whose well-being is being torn apart by warlike conditions. So the peace that has been established and that will one day be on earth isn't yet. There's an already part of it, but there's a not yet part of it. And the proof that the not yet part of it is coming is this, that there are a group of people that God has drawn into his own family and they are to be the cosmic proof, the public display of this peace. And that group of people belong to Jesus Christ. They are his church. That's us. 
And so this shalom, this peace that Paul is talking about, isn't just talking about the absence of conflict. It's really talking about total well-being, a full-orbed condition of well-being. Paul described it in the opening chapter of Ephesians like this, we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings that come from the Spirit, and they are ours in the spiritual realm, but we have to live in this realm. So what are we to do if we are the public proof and the cosmic display of this incredible shalom, this state of well-being that God has established through the work of Christ? And the answer is we are to live in a certain way. We are to guard unity, Paul said in chapter 4, with the bond of peace. And the primary way in which that happens through a congregation is in the relationships that God has established in the households that are in that congregation. And so that's what we've been looking at in chapter 5. We've looked at the importance of walking in the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to enlighten us and to enable us relationally with one another so that we will submit to one another in the fear of God. And so what that looks like in a marriage has been addressed by Paul in chapter 5 where he talks to husbands and he talks to wives and he gives them wisdom from God about how a marriage should operate so that shalom can exist and be displayed. But there's a second set of relationships that also occur in that home, in the household. And it's not just between the husband and the wife. It's between the parents and the children that exist in that home. And so what does shalom look like in that set of relationships? And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul has in mind. So with that in mind, we're going to jump right into chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 together this morning. And I want to ask you a question. If you had the opportunity this morning, and, and uh, literally you were given the, pr- the platform to say one thing to the children that are in this congregation, children that are still at home living under their parents' authority, what would you say to them? If you had one opportunity, what would you say to them? You might talk to them about the wisdom of guarding their moral purity. Some of you might be burdened to talk to them about diligence and hard work. Some of you might say, look, we really need to talk to them about the importance of respect. We need to talk to them about decorum. I mean, you might have a ton of different things in your mind that you would speak and you would say to a group of young people living at home under their parents' authority if you had the opportunity to do it. There are two places in our New Testament where God addresses children who are living at home under their parents' authority. And it's very insightful to think about the fact that when God chooses to speak directly to those people, those image bearers, he has a unique thing to say to them. I mean, it's, it's pretty powerful when you think that the God of heaven actually looks at children who are living at home under their parents' authority and considers them to be equal image bearers to every one of us. 
He speaks directly to them. He's not giving this instruction to their parents and saying to their parents, now you go and teach this to your children. He is actually speaking directly to the children. And he has something important to say to them. He is going to give them the respect and the kindness that you and I are expected to give to our children. And he is going to acknowledge to them that they have an important role to play as image bearers in this incredible plan that he is laying out. And that really ought to give us as parents pause as we think about what God has to say to our children. So what is it that God says? Let's read it together. Children, there's the direct address, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So what exactly does Paul have in mind when he talks this way? So so let's start asking some questions of the text. Let's just look at this text and let's try to ask and answer some questions to see if we can sort of wrap our head around what Paul is saying. And I think I want to say this for my own sake, but I I think I need to say it for all of our sakes. While this is being addressed to children, we're going to see that in a minute, it has application to every single one of us. So here's the first question we want to ask. Who is being addressed? Who is God talking to here? When he uses the word children, who does he have in mind? The word that is used here in, uh, in, in chapter 6, verse 1, is a broad term. And it refers to anybody who has parents at any stage in life. It, it could include small children. It could include older children living at home. It, it, could, live, uh, it could include children who are living outside of the home. It, it could include people who had their own children, who themselves were parents. It is a very broad term, and it speaks to anybody who has parents. It obviously is is speaking to little children, and and Jesus definitely talked this way to little children. On several occasions in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus said things like this, let the little children come to me. So, So this might be who is in view here. There definitely were scriptural injunctions to older children who were living at home. And for, uh, in the Old Testament time especially, you lived at home until you were married. And even after you were married, you still might live under the broader rubric of your family clan or your family household. And so there are instructions about what to do with an older son, especially who willfully, continually, and, and intentionally disregarded, disrespected, and disobeyed his parents. And the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy has a horrific penalty for that. And the penalty was death. The Scripture addresses adult children who themselves are married and have their own family. And there are occasions, for example, in, in, Mark, uh, in Matthew 15 and in Mark 7, where Jesus addresses a group of adult children who are disrespecting their parents, and they are using the law as a way of doing that. They had a responsibility under God's law to care for their parents, 
in their older years. And so oftentimes a, a family would set aside resources and the Pharisees wanted those resources. And they would say to those families, there's a way to take those resources and actually use them to do other things and, and not take care of your parents and still be okay with God. You can say the word Corban over this. You can say it's a gift to God. And Jesus looked at those people and the Pharisees who taught them say, uh, such and basically rebuked them fiercely and sternly for this. So when Paul says children here, there is a very real sense in which every one of us is being addressed. But specifically, the Apostle Paul is talking about believing children who are in the home. It seems that he is drawing primary attention to those children who are believing children and who are living at home, who can understand and give willing obedience to whatever it is he is going to say. They are old enough to understand, but they are still young enough to be living at home under their father's training. And the idea there is the word that Paul uses for obey. It means to hear under. It's the idea that somebody is over you and they are giving you instruction and you are to hear under whatever it is they are saying. And and Paul talks about the fact that they're in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In other words, you're in the Lord You belong to Christ. You have come to that place where you know the Lord and you're old enough to understand what God is saying to you through me and through this inspired letter. And so these are believing children who are living at home under their parents' authority. And that may be a lot of us this morning, a lot of you this morning. Let me just stop here and make a little application so that we kind of know what to do with Paul's opening line here. This, this reminds us of, 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 a, of a few important considerations, and, and that's this, as we think about the children that live in our homes that are old enough to have come to Christ, and they are still living in our home. And, and here's what Paul would have you know. God loves those children. God is deeply attentive to them. He speaks directly to them. He doesn't come to you and and sort of say, well, you know, they're not important enough to talk. He speaks directly to them. He expects things of them as he expects things of you and of me. And here's an important thing. God made certain promises to them. That's stunning when you stop and think about it the approach to children in the first century. So that's who is being talked to. Paul is talking, God is talking through Paul actually, to believing children who are still living at home. So what is expected of them? And that again is in chapter 6 verse 1. He says this, obey your parents in the Lord. And then in verse 2, he's going to expand that. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So what is expected of a child, a young person, who is old enough to believe and yet young enough to still be living under their parents' authority? And the answer to that is you are to obey your parents. This is an optional 
Paul states it as a command, and it is to be done consistently. This is not a one-off. This is to be the ongoing habitual pattern that you as a young person intentionally cultivate in your life. And I would say it to you this way, if you're a young person here this morning, the kind of honor and the kind of obedience that God is asking of you is the same kind of honor and the same kind of obedience that God has already asked of your parents in their relationship to him. So if you want to know what honoring and obeying looks like in your relationship to your mom and dad, you should look at your mom and dad and see how they honor and how they obey God, because that's the model. And so when you stop and think about how God has called your mom and dad to obey, let me give you a couple of thoughts. In Romans chapter 6, verse 7, the apostle Paul talks to all believers and he says this, but thanks be to God that even though at one time you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart. That's how your mom and dad obey God. It's a heart thing. He says in Romans chapter 15, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. This heart obedience is is not just an obedience that comes out of their mouth, it's actually an obedience that shows up in their life. And here's the important thing. The obedience that comes out in your mom and dad is an obedience that has been produced by God. It's not coming because they are strong. and they, It's coming because God did a work in them. And the God who did a work in your mom and dad is the same God who's going to do a work in you to help you produce this same kind of obedience to them that they are modeling to God. Paul said to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 3, we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will con- continue to do what we command. So, what is expected is obedience. And the idea here is this obedience touches your actions. The word obey, we talked about a minute ago, is the word that means to hear, to listen under. And it has the idea of submitting your thinking and your responding to the words of somebody else. To let somebody else's words shape the way that you think. And while you are a believing son or daughter and you're living at home, you are allowing the word of God to put you in a place where you can listen to the words of your mom and dad and you can arrange yourself under that authority. And it looks like this. It looks like attentiveness. It looks like respectful listening. It it looks like responsive doing It's like I hear what mom and dad say, and I actually do it. And it starts off, you know, as you're on the younger edge of the scale. Let's say you're, you know, maybe five, six, or seven. You remember how hard that was? Your parents would say stuff like, take out the what? Take out the trash. And and this is what goes on in your head. I did not create the trash. I am not in charge of the trash. I looked in the trash, and most of that trash came from you. You put it in there. 
I didn't buy the trash. I didn't eat the trash. Well, I ate some of the trash. And I didn't create this mountain of trash. And so why should I be in charge of the trash? Why am I the, the sheriff of trash in our house? You ever feel that way? It's like, you know, your mom and dad get up and they're like, hey, I hope you had a good night. Take out the trash. Hey, how was your day at school? Take out the trash. Hey, John, take out. The, I mean, it's like, it's like every word is followed by this little like, take out the trash, take out the trash, take out the trash. And after a while, you're like, oh, right? So, yeah, you take out the trash, but you have ways. There are ways to take out the trash. You can take out the trash very slowly. You can take out the trash on your own terms. You can take out the trash on your own time frame. I'll take out the trash. But, and, and have you ever noticed that the longer it takes to take out the trash, sometimes the, the, the better the fireworks show that comes out of mom and dad? So there's a way to do what they say. There's a way to hear the words and not do them. And so the Apostle Paul is looking at at all of us, really, and he's saying particularly to those of us who still live at home under our parents' authority who are believers, and he is saying, don't do that. Whatever obey looks like, it involves respectful listening and responsive doing. And it literally gets to the place where this respectful listening and this response of doing should become second nature to us so that when we see the trash, we automatically know what our mom and dad want and we go and do it. You say, well, that's a really dumb illustration and it's not fair. But actually, it's a pretty good illustration because that's exactly what God expects out of every one of us who are parents. That when he says something, we would give respectful attention and responsive doing to the point that we don't have to hear God say over and over and over and over, read your Bible. We don't have to hear God say over and over and over, go to church. We don't have to hear God say over and over and over and and wait for God to just bring pressure in our life to, to yield some obedience that we know he wants out of his word. And so as we model this, it looks like respectful listening and responsive doing and thoughtful attentiveness, but it goes way beyond obedience. It goes to the idea of honor. It's not just our action, but it's really the attitude out of which that action comes. Peter is going to talk about this in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he exhorts all of us to honor the emperor, to honor the king, to honor the emperor. John is going to describe the attitude that Jesus has to the Father as one of honor, one of deep, affectionate regard. And this is really what should motivate all of our obedience. In in essence, when we think about what God is up to and what he's trying to display, he's not trying to get a bunch of people who are just going to listen to commands and go do them. He is trying to develop in us a heart that will give affectionate respect and honor to those above us that will produce in us a desire to do what they have asked for. So what does honoring actually look like? And it looks like this. It looks like two things. It looks like respecting our parents in our youth. 
It looks like respecting our parents in our youth. And that includes doing what they ask us to do when they ask us to do it. It, it, it involves respecting our parents in our youth, but it also involves caring for, that respect now moves into caring for and reverencing them in their age. I'll give you a personal example of this. Uh, my, uh, my wife's parents are in their late 80s. My parents are in their late 80s. So both Beth and I have living parents. We have not yet walked through the valley of the shadow of death with regard to our parents the way that some of you have been called to do by the grace of God. And, you know, I can't remember the last time my dad called up and said, hey, son, can you take out the trash? I mean, I can remember a period of time where that was almost daily in the conversations we had. But, but it, it's been, I don't know, it's been... 45 years since I heard my dad say, take out the trash. Or son, can you please be home by 10 o'clock? All right, 10.30. Okay, all right, 10.30. My dad doesn't do that, and I don't call my dad up and say, hey, I'm thinking, Beth and I are going on a date this weekend. What time do you think we should be home? That that conversation does not happen at this stage in my life. You know, you know where the conversations are? I want to respect my dad. I want to seek his counsel, and, and I want to care for him, and I want to care for my mom. That's the idea that, that Paul is talking about here in this text. There is, there is an obeying that happens to their words at a certain stage in life, but that obedience has to come out of an honor that is going to last the rest of our life. And so here we are this morning And there are two things that should be going on in your head and should be going on in my head, and that is this. Because we've been talking to to children who are believers, who are living at home. There are two things that ought to be going on in every one of our minds. Number one, if I'm supposed to model the kind of obedience and honor to God, how am I doing? How am I doing? And two... If I have living parents, how am I respecting and caring for them? Because what that looks like in your life is being watched at a very formative stage in the lives of the people that God has given to you. And that brings me to a third thing that I think we need to talk about when we talk about um, Paul's instruction here who and what and now when. When is this expected of the children to whom Paul is addressing? To what extent are they to obey? And we need to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Remember I said there were two places where Paul directly addresses children in the New Testament? One of them is here in Ephesians chapter 6, and the other is in Colossians chapter 3. And, and here's what Colossians chapter 3 verse 20 has to say. Let me read it to you, uh, and then you pick up this piece of what Paul has to say. Children, obey your parents. Exactly what he said in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents, and then he adds this, in everything. In everything. 
And here's what Paul would say. Paul would say to believing children who are living at home under their parents' authority, God has granted your parents legitimate authority for a specific period of time in your life. And for that time, God is asking you to obey them in everything unless what they are asking you to do causes you to have to disobey God. Did you catch that? God has granted to your parents legitimate authority over you. If you're, if you're a believing son or daughter and you're at home, Paul's talking to you. And he says this, God has granted to your parents legitimate authority over your life for a specific period of time. And during that time, you are called by God to obey them in all things. And the only time you are given biblical warrant to disregard something that your parents are asking you to do is when they are asking you to do something that God clearly told you not to do or they're asking you not to do something that God clearly told you to do. And even then... You are to follow the example of people like Daniel when you make an appeal to obey God when they have asked you to do something that God prohibits. Now, that brings up something that I think we as parents need to consider. When God has granted us this legitimate authority over our children for the period of time that they live in our homes, why did God do that? What was the purpose of God giving to us this legitimate authority over their life to ask them to do things and God putting on them the responsibility to actually do them? Why did God give to us this legitimate authority? And the answer is this. We are to use that power and that authority as parents to raise up worshipers of God. That's why we have the authority. God is not saying to you, I'm giving you this authority because I know that you need a ton of help around the house. And this is a way to get sort of unpaid labor that's going to make your life easier. And so I know that parenting's tough. I know you got a lot on your plate. So I'm giving you this power over your children so that they can become your servants. God did not give you that power and authority for that reason. That's not why. Now, you are going to ask him to do things. You are going to say, take out the trash. You are going to give them tasks. You are going to establish boundaries. But that is not primarily why God gave you that authority. God gave you that authority so that over time, you could train up and nurture a worshiper and a server of God. Somebody who would worship and serve God in spirit and in truth. So how you use that authority is of immense importance to your children. Are you easily entreated as you lovingly lead your children and you train them to obey God and to love the things that he loves. Son, I don't want you watching that. Or honey, we're not going to go there. Why? Because this is full of things that God doesn't love. And we are trying to help you learn to love what God loves. That's very different than, I just do it because I told you. 
Have you figured out as a mom or dad how to use that authority in a way that is going to create conversation when your child needs help just like God has created a way for conversation between you and him when you need help? Are you easily entreated when your children come and they have a legitimate desire they want to do and it conflicts with something that you've asked them to do? Is it easy for them to talk to you about that? Have you created a context where they can have those conversations with you when it is expected of them in all things and at all times honor now, can I just stop here for a minute? We, we need to talk about one little piece, particularly as it relates to our children who are starting to move into adulthood and they're moving out of the home. The idea that Paul has in mind here is that there would be active prescribed obedience for believing children who are living in the home under the authority of a parent. And in Paul's day, that was going to be fairly easy to define. You lived in that status until you were married. Now, keep in mind, marriages happened very young, very different. Most people were married by the time they were 20. Or it, it happened when you had a son or daughter who no longer lived at home, and they had their own business, they had their own life. And even though there were obligations that continued back to the household, and, and respect and honor in advancing the larger purposes, they still had an, a measure of autonomy. What does that look like in our day? There are, there are some who teach that until a child or daughter is married, they live under the direct authority of a parent. That does not seem to me to be what the Scriptures teach. We do know that the Scriptures describe that, that God has actually called certain individuals, men and women, to singleness. Are they to be under the direct authority of a parent for the rest of their entire life? And the Scriptures do not seem to indicate that. The whole point to the authority of a parent is to raise up a young person who can think properly, who can love rightly, and who can follow God and obey God personally. And so in our culture and in our age, there is a period of time when that sort of happens. And in our culture and age, it typically happens when a young person passes certain boundary markers. One of them would be sort of going off to college or graduating from college and sort of getting out on their own, their first apartment, their first job. There, there has to be a measure of direct independence and authority under God. And so at that point, I would suggest to you that Paul's instruction here would move more into the honor category. And that's where a lot of you are this morning. You haven't lived at home for two or three years. You've been out from under the direct authority of your parent, but there still is this sort of gray area where they are asking you to do things. And Paul would say to you, there is a need for you to respect that and for you to honor that and to seek counsel about that as you move into that time in your life where you become fully independent of their direct authority, and you stand on your own under God's authority. And you can see this in different places in the Scripture. And that brings us to the fourth thing. How is this expected? 
How is a believing child living at home under the authority of their parent, how are they to carry this out? How are they to obey mom and dad in all things and honor mom and dad respectfully and responsibly? How are they to do this? And Paul's answer to them is this. You're to do this in the Lord. You're to do this in the Lord. It's the same way your mom and dad have to render their obedience to God in hard places. Without a doubt, as a young person living at home, you're a teenager, you're, you're in your junior, senior year at high school, and you are going to find out that honoring and obeying mom and dad at that stage in your life is actually harder than it was when you were seven. And you're like, why is it so hard? I have the most controlling parents in the world. They don't get it. And you know what? You may have very controlling parents. And if the truth be told, sometimes we don't get it. And we just say it to you, acknowledge it to you. But at the same time, God does not say to you, okay, if your parents don't get it and they're super controlling, I get it, you're off the hook. Just me and you talking here, you're off the hook. That's not how God is addressing this issue. He's saying, look, there, there is a respect and there is an honor and there's an obedience that has to come out of you. And, and though it may seem simple, it is actually very hard. And the only way you're going to do it, you're, the only way you're going to accomplish this is in the Lord. It's with the Lord's help. And it's the only way your mom and dad are going to be able to do it in their own obedience to God. They're going to have to depend on God for their obedience, just like you're having to obey and depend on God for your obedience. Now, that brings us to the final thing as we close this morning, and that is this. If God has designed all of this, children obey your parents in the Lord, why? Why did he design it this way? And so Paul gives them three reasons for this, three motivations, we could say it this way. He says this, you are to do this because it is right. And the word right there is the word for appropriate. It is, it is fitting. This is the way it's supposed to work. Paul is acknowledging that God created humans in a relational context. And, and for relationships to work, they have to be designed a certain way for All of your life, as you live relationally with others, the skills that you are gaining in this command that God has given you as a believing son or daughter, living under the direct authority of your parents at home, God is saying to you, this is appropriate, this is fitting, this is right. Every culture on the planet recognizes the fitting appropriateness of the younger generation rendering obedience and honor to their parents. In fact, it is a horrific thing when a culture looks and sees all of the children, the young people in that culture, disregarding, disrespecting, and disobeying their parents. Second Timothy chapter 3 and Romans chapter 1 talk about a depraved culture being marked by disobedience to parents. 
I mean, think about what goes on in your heart when you're in the mall and you see an altercation between a son or a daughter and a mom or a dad, and that altercation gets verbal and it gets foul and it gets violent. What goes on in your heart? You're like, oh, that's just, that's just not fitting. That's not proper. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what, what, what produced that, but what I'm watching isn't fitting. It isn't proper. And because God is trying to display something in Ephesus and at Rome and here in our own day and age, in our own homes, he is saying, don't live in that way. Don't live in a way that the pagan culture around you is going to look and say, wow, what was that? He's saying, when you willfully and joyfully and respectfully and and gladly and willingly render respectful honor and obedience to your parents, even a culture who is marked by the opposite is going to look at that and say, now that is right. That's fitting. And then God says this, it's, it's actually biblically commanded. It's actually biblically commanded. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. It's so basic that God didn't only include it in the Ten Commandments. He repeats this same idea seven times in the New Testament. He's going to bring this idea to bear. Now, I want to speak just a minute to all of the young people. And I'm talking about believers who are still at home living under their parents' authority. And for those of you who are starting to move into that period of time where you're becoming your own authority under God, and, 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 and just think about why God did this. Why did God delegate this kind of authority to your parents? And, and I would suggest to you, why did he say it like this? And I would say to you that, that your parents are unique creatures in the universe. You're like, I know that. I get that. No, no, no. I mean, they, they occupy an amazing position. They are image bearers, so they bear God's image just like you. But they have been given by God a privilege that no other being in the universe has. Your mom and dad were given by God as image bearers a unique opportunity, a privilege that no other created being anywhere in the universe has, no other created moral being has. And that is this. God gave them the unique privilege of making other image bearers. Your mom and dad were given a covenant called marriage. And God gave them the unique joy and privilege of of creating a new image bearer. And the joy that comes in the heart of a mom or dad when they held you for the very first time is a small mirror of the immense joy that God has when you came into the world when he created you. Your mom and dad are in a unique place. They are image bearers with this amazing privilege of of making another image bearer you, and therefore they have the same responsibility for that little image bearer that God has for all of his image bearers. They are to care for, provide, guide, and instruct. And that's why God says about them to you, honor them and obey them. And he actually makes a promise. This is not just biblically mandated in 
and culturally appropriate. It is actually personally beneficial. He says this, it is the first command with a promise that it may go well with you. Talking about your prosperity in your way and and that you may dwell long in the land. Talking about length of days. You know, in Paul's day when he wrote this, he was writing to a culture where 50% or more of the children that were growing up in the city of Ephesus died before they got to be 10 years of age. In fact, the death of children was so common that, that no parent grieved very long over the death of a child because it was such a common experience. And God is saying to His people living in His church as part of His house, and He's saying to those children, if you will listen and you will do what I am asking you to do, I am making a promise to you. It will be different for you than it is for them in two ways. You are going to live long. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that every single child is going to have long life. That, that, we know that just from what we see in church and our own families. But he is saying to them, this is the pathway that will eventually lead you to embrace the truth of the gospel. This will lead you to a long and beneficial life. I don't know what that's going to look like for every child in this room, but I know that God has made that promise. And that brings us, as we close this morning, to this application to all of us. Let me start with our younger children who are living at home and our believers. Are you rendering the kind of obedience that Paul is talking about to your mom and dad? And if not... There is, a, there is a way for you to do that, and it is in the Lord. God has given to you everything that you need to do that, and it simply means that there are times where you have to just come to the Lord and say, I need help. I need help with this. And sometimes you might need to go to our mom and dad and say, Mom and dad, I want to, but I need some help. Can you help? Maybe we're a little older, and we're sort of at that place where we're out of the house, and We're at college now, and we're moving into that respect stage of life. What are ways in which God would say to you, as as you move into the stage or you are in this stage, honor your parents, respect your parents. You know how they've trained you. You know the moral and ethical values they put into your life. Are you willing at this stage in your life to continue to embrace those things that they have put into your life while you live directly in their home? And maybe... You're where I'm at, and you have parents who are now at the closing chapters of their life. Are we taking care of them? Are we loving them? Are we respecting them? Are we reverencing them? Are we doing for them what the Apostle Paul talks about here? So there's something for each of us here as we come before the Lord and we say to the Lord, Lord, we want to honor and obey our parents. Lord, thank you for the way that you have given us this truth, for the way that it speaks very directly to all of us in this room. Lord, those of us who are parents are called to use our authority and our power and our, our position for the good of our children, not so they will serve us, not so they will make our life easier, but because we desire that they come to grow in the knowledge of who you are and what you are like, so they can worship you in spirit and in truth. 
So help us to be better parents. Lord, we're all children. We all have parents. Some of us have parents that are living. Help us to honor them this week, to love them, care for them, reverence them. Lord, those of us who are at that stage in life where we're moving out of the direct authority of a parent to now the stage where we are coming directly under your authority and as we figure out life, help us to continue to embrace the moral and ethical values, the spiritual values that our parents have placed before us. And then for those of us who are still living at home with imperfect parents, Lord, give us the wisdom and the strength and the joy that comes with obeying them in all things. And we'll pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.